Welcome to 60 Questions by Bloom Magazine. This series highlights the different medical specialties to give our audience a better idea of what it's like to be a surgeon with a focus on best practices and workers' compensation. We hope this new series brings much needed valuable insight into the life of a doctor. Hello, hello, we are here with one of our favorite doctors and we're uh, going to be introducing him shortly. So here we go. Are you ready for your 60 questions? I am ready. Let's see if I can make it to 60. <laughs> I think I'll be okay. Awesome, awesome. So let's start with the obvious. What is your name? Uh, my name is Anand Panchal. Uh, I'm practicing currently at Center for Bone and Joint Surgery down in Southeast Florida covering for right now uh, the bulk of each County. I assume that might move into some other counties, but stay tuned on that one. Oh, good. What is your specialty? So I do orthopedic surgery and then within orthopedic surgery, I do uh, kind of a little bit of uh, shoulder, elbow, knee, sports medicine, uh, injuries to those particular body parts. Probably those three are the main ones. How many years have you been practicing? Uh, coming on 10 right now, I think September of this year will be 10 years down here. And where did you go to medical school? So I went to medical school in New York uh, on Long Island. Uh, and then I did the rest of my training kind of throughout the United States. Did you take a gap year before going to medical school? I did. I actually took two years off uh, in between college and medical school. I wasn't exactly sure if I wanted to go to medical school. I knew the time commitment involved in going to medical school, so I wanted to make sure. And I did a little bit of a research year uh, and then applied. So I, I did take two years off. Wow, interesting. What was your favorite part of medical school? Uh, probably anatomy class. Um, that was my first exposure to you know, I guess essentially dealing with the human body on that level. So that's probably the most fascinating uh, class that I took. Wow. What specialty did you think you were going to go into when you first started medical school? So I had no idea. It's usually, I think most people don't really know when they get into medical school. And then you have to, after your first or second year pick, if you wanted to do a surgical specialty or a non-surgical specialty. And uh, I sort of made the initial choice um, I like being hands-on, so doing a surgical specialty made more sense to me. To go to orthopedics. What, were there any specialties that you absolutely said, like, no, that is not for me? Pr probably the specialties where there's nothing really hands-on. There are some specialties where you're mostly reading lab, lab results and talking to the patients. You're not really doing anything hands-on, and you're ordering tests, and you're ordering this, ordering that medication. So... I, I would need to definitely do something, and I have, luckily, uh, a hands-on field. Excellent. What made you fall in love with orthopedics? I think partly, partly was that hands-on approach. Um, it also is one that I get bored very easy, so um, it, it not only challenges the mind because there are constantly uh, evolving technologies and new ways to do surgeries, uh, basically, every 10 years, you have to whole, essentially learn a whole new way to do most of the surgeries that we do. It also is physically demanding because there's a lot of use of saws and drills. And so, you know, for somebody who's active, somebody who um, likes using their hands, it's very challenging and demanding. Uh, it tests both your knowledge, it tests your mind, it tests 
physically. So I think it, it's kind of, it's perfect for my personality. Yeah, I love that. I hear sometimes kids that are good with um, video games that they could they could become excellent orthopedics because of the coordination of eye and, you know, it kind of goes with that um, specialty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's definitely some crossover and some of our uh, training that you in residency medical school uses uh, sort of computer simulation, which is essentially the same as video yeah. games. Yeah. So how long was your training? Residency was after medical school residency is five years. And then I did an additional uh, two years, one year uh, sports medicine fellowship, and then another year doing more complex uh, shoulder and elbow procedures, including um, basically anything to do with the shoulder and elbow. Have you ever thought of any other degrees? Yeah, actually, uh, we're doing some. Uh, we're, we're, our group is has partnered with a company that's doing some business development. So I thought at some point going back and getting my MBA, I think that would be useful. Probably not right now, but maybe a couple of years, three, four, five years from now, I might end up doing that. Oh, that is excellent. I actually met a doctor once who was an attorney first, then he became a doctor, and then he was just an attorney and a doctor. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty common, definitely. <laughs> Um, what would you say is the most unique part of your specialty? I would say that um, th there probably are some other specialties like this, but most of the medical specialties, you're, you're sort of maintaining people in their current state, um, or you, th there's a certain maintenance component of it. Uh, one of the things I like about orthopedics is there's definitely a, a sort of a start and then an end where somebody has, uh, say, a normal shoulder, they have an injury, you can make the diagnosis, you can treat them, you can fix their shoulder, get them back to their activities. And so there, there's sort of a finality in terms of you get to see them from start to finish, you see the resolution of the problem, and then you can move on to something else. So there's definitely uh, concrete results that can be obtained and that it's obviously gratifying from my standpoint, it's gratifying uh, for the patient to see that what injury they had has come to a conclusion in a positive way. Yeah, I think most orthopedics we've asked that question have answered exactly the same. <laughs> Good. <laughs> what does an average day look like for you? So it depends on if I'm in the office, um, it's usually a full day of office starting uh, routinely at eight and then ending say 4.35, depending on the last patient. In the operating room, it varies sometimes. If I'm doing a full day of OR, like today I did a full day or roughly a full day of OR, um, and normally I'd get done, I start at 7, 7.30, and I'm done around maybe 3, 4, just in time to finish some paperwork up. And what is the most amount of patients you've seen in one day? I have a physician assistant, nurse practitioner who helps me. So probably the most we would see in a day is 60. That, that's pretty, that's fairly busy. Um, if it's just myself, usually it's maybe 40, 45. It's a good number. Yeah. It's always the same. <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's the most difficult procedure you've ever performed in your career? So in, in training, we did, um, and I've not, I've yet to do this in, in practice, but in training, we did this. I did something close to this in practice, uh, was a complete uh, humerus replacement. So basically the person had um, multiple surgeries on their humerus and the shoulder and the elbow. And essentially they had an arm that they really couldn't use at all, except for using the hands and the fingers. So they had essentially no shoulder motion, no elbow motion, no use of the arm. And so we essentially gave them a new shoulder, an entire new arm bone, all made of metal, and then a new elbow. So it's basically metal from your shoulder all the way down to the elbow joint, including both of the joints. 
So uh, pretty interesting procedure. Um, it's, it hasn't been done. It's maybe been done 10 times in the whole world. And uh, I got to be part of at least two of them um, during, during training. So that was very, very interesting. That's pretty cool. Now, yeah. my question's easier. What is the most common procedure you've performed? So the, probably the most common thing I do are arthroscopic rotator cuff repairs or tendon repairs. That's probably the most common one I do. Um, usually anywhere from two to 300 in, in the course of a year uh, based upon, um, it's actually probably one of the most common things orthopedics see. So I'd probably do yeah, a lot of those. Now, what's the most memorable case you've ever performed? Well, probably going to stay the same thing, that total humerus yeah. um, surgery, the, the two that I saw, they basically take almost a half a day. So they're, you know, six, six hour, eight hour cases. Do you do any trauma work? I do. So I still, being I'm only 10 years in practice, I still take call or ER call, trauma call at the local uh, hospitals nearby. So there are some uh, hip fractures, broken hips, broken wrists, uh, broken kneecaps. So I still do all of that uh, when I'm on call. That's not, uh, I would say, a bulk of my practice, but when I'm taking call, I do those cases. And what's the most rewarding part of your job? It's probably what I mentioned before, that seeing the start, the progress, and then the end result. You know, so that three month, six month, nine month period, uh, say if it's a ACL injury that I'm treating and I do surgery and I see that person rehab and get back to playing sports. And it's sometimes it's nice for the uh, patient at that six month or nine month period to show me a video of them, you know, playing basketball or on their jet ski or riding a BMX bicycle. So that, that part is nice. Um, it's seeing the end result and getting that person back to where they want to be. Yeah, I love that. So now we're going to get into some of the fun lifestyle questions. Okay. <laughs> so how many hours do you work a week? Um, if I include the weeks when I'm on call, it's probably around 60, maybe 70. And then maybe just under that if I'm not taking call. Excellent. What does your typical morning look like? Well, it depends on if I'm in the office. Um, I'm usually up around 530. I try a couple of days a week, at least to exercise uh, before I go to the office, just so I can get it done. Um, so, and then I'm usually out the door by about seven to get to the office, either in the operating room in the morning or office. Excellent. And how long does it take you to chart? Uh, not too long. I, I've gotten pretty good at talking fast when I'm dictating and the dictaphone can pick up things pretty, pretty, pretty well. So if I can talk fast in the middle of the day in between um, uh, patients, I usually get most of my charting done maybe a half hour after clinic. So I'm usually not there late um, doing paperwork, which, which I, I don't, I don't like. And I don't think anybody likes. Nobody likes. <laughs> Who are you most thankful for in your care team? I don't know if there's one person in particular. Um, my medical assistant does a lot of work and um, we do a lot of things in the office like uh, braces and medications and setting up therapy and MRI. And so that individual, that woman has to do that part. My surgery scheduler, I do a lot of surgeries. Um, so the surgery scheduler is always busy booking a lot of cases and getting authorizations. So probably those two are the ones who do the, the majority of the work uh, in terms of my team. Yeah. Teamwork. <laughs> what? Yeah. How is your life when you clock out? Um, so my wife and I do a lot of uh, outdoor activities. 
So summertime is a little harder coming up now, but you know when the weather's nice, we like to spend as much time as we can outdoors. Uh, we have a nice patio where we live that overlooks the ocean, so we get to spend some time out there when the weather's nice. But usually we're trying to get exercise in the evenings when we're not in the morning, so on a bike or uh, playing tennis, golf. Good, good. What's your favorite thing to do when you are not working? <laughs> probably, probably outside exercising. So yeah. we've been uh, taking lessons. I've been taking lessons in golf. We're both taking tennis lessons. Um, we, uh, we bought bikes, uh, about a year and a half, two years ago. And so we've been doing a lot of bike rides around the neighborhood. So I like to stay outside and stay active. And there was that. a shortage of bikes for some time because of the pandemic. <laughs> Everyone yeah. wanted a bike. Yeah. Yeah. So I could see you got one. <laughs> Do you have any kids? Uh, I don't. Favorite music to listen to in the OR? So it varies. I have kind of an eclectic mix. So there could be uh, some, the, my playlist could be hard rock, then it could go to, um, uh, could go to Sammy Davis Jr. and Sinatra, and then it could go to um, like almost like a, I don't want to say club music, but like electronic music. Then it could go back to say Very 70s rock music. and roll. And then, it, yeah, so it's, it's definitely a wide assortment of, of music. I love asking that question. <laughs> so now my question is a little, I always say this, a friend's a little controversial. It's either, do you like pineapple on pizza? No, I, I don't think fruit should be on pizza whatsoever. <laughs> no fruit on pizza. That, that's, that's my rule of thumb. controversial question. Yeah. <laughs> One random task you're really good at. Um, I would say I'm actually a pretty decent, fast um uh, typing on the keyboard. That's really good. That's good. That's a good one. Yeah, it comes in handy. <laughs> <laughs> What's one random task that you wish you were better at? Uh, well, I don't know if I would say random, but I wish I um, had a better knowledge of Spanish. That would help a lot down here. So my oh, wife yeah. actually speaks fluent Spanish. And so I just have to kind of basically get her to, to teach me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it can be a little difficult. <laughs> yeah. What is the best way you relax after a long day? Uh, probably going for a run, putting my headphones on and going for a run. It's a nice way to kind of, um, you know, frankly, not talk to anybody, if I'm, especially <laughs> if I'm seeing 50 patients in a day and talking all day. Just put my headphones on and then go for a nice uh, couple of mile run. That's, that's a nice way to relax. Yeah, definitely a good way. Um, would you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? I would probably say more of an extrovert. I think there, there are some times when uh, I like being quiet. And I think that's more of a function of what I do for a living and sometimes having to talk all day. So if I'm in the office all day, usually at the end of the day, especially if it's during the week, I'm not usually much for talking. If I'm in the OR all day, then at night, I'm probably more up for talking. So it kind of depends on what I'm doing during the day. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> So now we are going to get into our fun section. It's kind of like okay. the rapid question <laughs> section. Right. Um, so first answer that comes to your mind, you're going to blur it okay. out. Ready? <laughs> this one's different. All right. Coffee, okay. tea, or soda? I actually don't drink any of those three at all. Zero. <laughs> you're not none. the first. You're, you're not <laughs> the first. I, I think we've only had one doctor that says he drinks coffee. Yeah. No. <laughs> Are you a night or a day person? Uh, probably a night time. It takes me sometimes a while to get up and be awake in the morning, which is unfortunate because most of my work is early in the morning. So, yep. Dog or cat? 
Uh, dog. Night in or night out? Um, during the week, uh, if I have to get up the next day at 5.30, it's mostly in. But if I don't have to get up until later, then definitely going out. <laughs> Indoors or outdoors? I think we know this answer. Yeah, outdoors, yeah. <laughs> iOS or Android? Oh, um, Apple, iOS. Okay, I said it wrong, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay. I, 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 I knew what you meant. Good. <laughs> Beach or mountains? Even though I live next to the beach, I, I like the mountains actually better. So, pie or cake? Uh, probably pie. Apple pie is probably my favorite. So, fried pie. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. <laughs> Football or basketball? Um, playing basketball. I played basketball and then wa probably watching football. Awesome. Excellent. That's our rapid question section. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> so now we're going to get into some of the reflective questions. And I'll start. Okay. So what did you think you were going to be when you were a kid? Oh, boy. Probably um, I, I was a big baseball fan growing up, collecting baseball cards. And I played baseball everywhere, uh, elementary, middle school, high school, um, even played some college baseball. Um, so um, as far as club sports, so I, I think growing up when I was little, I wanted to be a baseball player. Then obviously that was never going to work out. Um, <laughs> kind of right about when I got into high school, I figured it out. If you didn't go into medicine, what did what would you think you would be doing now? No, I, I thought about this a while ago. Um, I, I could see myself maybe being a um, uh, like a city planner architect. Um, I could see myself maybe being a uh, pilot. That was one thing I considered. Oh, so probably, wow. probably those two. Wow. Very interesting. Unique. Yeah. <laughs> if you could change one thing about the medical field, what would it be? I probably would say the, um, the gatekeeper mentality in terms of the, the individual, the person who gets to um, assign responsibilities. Um, I would make that more uh, in line with what the physician needs. Uh, so basically what I'm trying to say is I, I, would, I would have the provider be that gatekeeper and not um, have the insurance companies, third parties, et cetera, dictate as much as they currently do in terms of how we deliver care. Basically, return it, return it back to where it used to be. Yeah, I totally agree with that. If you were to go back and change any of your experiences, that got you to where you are now, what would you have changed? I probably would have taken a little bit more time off during college medical school to travel more outside of the U.S. So I've traveled some, but I think I, I, you know, especially now looking, you know, at the way the world is set up, you know, COVID, things like that. And it's, it makes it a little bit more difficult to travel these days. So I think if, if I had to go back, I would have taken some more time off, done some traveling, maybe done a semester abroad. Yeah, I like that. I like that answer. Um, what would you say to an inspiring medical student right now? I would say uh, make sure you want to go into medicine because it is a lifelong pursuit, lifelong um, attention to detail, lifelong learning process. It is a, it's a tough field to be in. Um, if you're going into it 
primarily with the main goal of making a lot of money, do not go into medicine, pick another field. Um, mm-hmm. If you, if you want to go in for the right reasons, I think you'll do well, but definitely be ready to work hard, be ready to, um, you know, have a lot of your time, not be your own. Um, and you have to be okay with that. Yeah. Good answer. Very common answer amongst doctors. <laughs> so now we're going to get into our worker Scott questions. Okay. And I'll start. What is your philosophy when treating an injured worker? Uh, so I think trying to do things in a uh, fairly um, expeditious fashion. So um, getting them in quickly, as quickly as possible. So hopefully fairly soon after the injury and not two, three, four months when they've been sitting around and essentially getting no treatment. So trying to get them in quickly, uh, trying to get a diagnosis fairly quickly. So that way you can formulate a treatment plan, communicating the plan to the patient, uh, the injured worker, and then hopefully to the adjuster in a, in a, in a easy fashion or expeditious fashion, uh, and then formulating the treatment plan. So I think it's the goal is obviously to get the that injured worker back to work as quickly and as safely as possible. But I think if you focus on those individual steps, you can achieve that goal. I love that. What changes or improvements do you feel are needed in the workers' compensation industry? Um, I I wish there was more communication back and forth between nurse case managers slash adjusters and the the providers. Uh, Sometimes it's um, say, you know, I'll, I'll get a letter from a, an adjuster or uh, a nurse case manager about uh, an injured worker, and then I don't really have any way to, to send information back, email. It's, you know, obviously a lot of the communication is going through my group's um, uh, advocate and my group's uh, person who handles the work comp, but it'd be nice if there was a way to sort of uh, directly communicate in a, like a Dropbox format or something similar, whereby if there was information that I needed to address. Like for instance, um, you know, a patient injured, uh, worker injured their shoulder from a fall, but they're having elbow pain from the similar thing. Instead of going through the hoops of sending it back and then waiting, sending it back, you know, back and forth, just if there's an email, I think there's a concomitant injury to the elbow. Can we get that added? And I can see them at the same visit instead of just wasting time with visits back and forth. So if there was an easier way to communicate in a timely fashion, so that way things like that can be addressed. You know, there have been times when I'm ready to do a surgery on somebody and they need a certain kind of brace and um, I'll find out later on that the work comp company paid twice um, what I would normally have charged for the brace. They'll spend a thousand dollars on a brace that only costs four hundred dollars because they're getting it from some third party. And so that happens a lot. If they can just communicate and say, you know, the patient needs a brace our cost is this, can you guys do better? Oh yeah, we can always do better because you guys in many cases get fleeced um, so on your cost of certain items because of third party. So just I think timelier or uh, more timely communication would be easier, better overall. I totally agree with that. And I can help you with that. So we'll talk offline on that. Okay. <laughs> Definitely can help you with that. Um, what is your process for evaluating and treating patients? Um, so yeah, I was, when you say process, what do you mean process in terms of how to get the patients in or what, yeah, like what's what, your process of treating the patients? You get them in, you evaluate them. Just yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we get them into the office. Um, we get initial x-rays, um, of whatever body part is injured. Uh, if it's something that's more vague, you know, I fell and I hurt my, uh, my arm and my elbow and my shoulder hurts, then we'll try to get x-rays above and below the joint. It's sort of the, the normal routine. 
Uh, then I'll do my exam in the office and then, you know, go over the x-rays with the uh, injured worker and then figure out a plan. Is this something, I try to think about it um, in two avenues. Is this something that's going to need surgery? Um, and usually I can make a determination uh, of that fairly quickly. Um, or is it something that likely will be non-operative or something similar like a, a acute on chronic condition? You know, they had, say, some arthritis before and they fell and aggravated the arthritis uh, or they had, uh, you know, uh, some problems in the knee before and they fell and they aggravated. So I try to make that determination. Is it acute on chronic? Is it chronic? Is it non-operative? Or is it something that needs surgery and they fell, they dislocated their shoulder, and I know they have a tear of the rotator cuff or the labrum just based upon how unstable or weak they are. So I try to think of it that way. And then that way allows me to figure out, do they need an MRI? Do they need physical therapy? So I try to think of it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Good process. <laughs> what makes your practice unique? I think us having um, a almost a, a one-stop shop where we can get everything done the injured worker or the patient needs if they need a brace, physical therapy, uh, if they need access to whatever that person needs to get back to work, to get healthy, to uh, rehab, to um, successfully complete their treatment plan. We have the ability to get that set up uh, within the confines of our group so that we would try to make sure that it's easy for the patients. The patient or the injured worker doesn't have to go all over the place for all these different things that we're prescribing or trying to get set up for them. I agree. Um, so what are your final thoughts, right? You would share with anyone listening in the workers' compensation space. Probably going back to that uh, effective, timely communication, you know, I try to do my best to send back the forms quickly to, to respond to emails as quickly as possible. Um, I think it would be great if there is that better way of communication uh, between the adjuster slash case manager and uh, the provider or the provider's office. So that way, because um, our goal is to focus on the injured worker. And I think sometimes it makes it hard when you have so many intervening people and then you have uh, essentially information goes from my office to say an in-between person, then it goes to the job and then maybe to another person and then to the adjuster. And then you have all these intermediate steps that sometimes slow the process up and that can really affect that injured worker, you know? If it's an acute injury and I can get the surgery done and get them in therapy, that means they get back to work sooner. That means there's less dollars in revenue lost. If we're extending it out over four, five, six months before they get surgery, then that's a lot of money that's lost. I think those simple steps can actually lead to everybody uh, from the company side, and the, the worker side, uh, not losing that money, that revenue. Agree with you 100%. Um, what is the best way to reach you or your staff? And we'll go ahead and put those information in the notes so you can just say it, but we'll go ahead and put your um, fast track line on. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we have um, a separate line that I, uh, that um, I think Ozzy has and you guys yeah. all have that uh, directly connects to our work comp department. Mm -hmm. And then my direct office number uh, is 561-803-8480 or 8482, which goes to my surgery scheduler. Um, and just so people know, you're not going to technically reach a human being if you dial any of those two extensions and just leave a message and somebody will call you back. But if you reach the work comp, then you know somebody's going to call you back too. So basically, any of those numbers, you'll get a call back within 24 hours and we can get everything set up uh, in a and fairly quickly fashion. 
Yeah, and what you guys have to that's I you know you have an email which is great because I yeah. think email works really well to have that paper trail so if anybody's trying to reach the office, um, you have an excellent team and the fast track team that are yeah yeah I think so yeah definitely I've worked with them and I think they're very efficient. Ernesto's always been there when we needed mm -hmm. anything. He's excellent. So thank you so much. This has been a you're welcome. That was good. Great interview. I yeah. really enjoyed it, and we definitely have to talk. I'm not I'm not sweating at all. So that. <laughs> No. Those are all easy questions. I was expecting some harder questions. No, no, we make it easy okay. for everyone to get to know you. <laughs> okay. Well, we thank you so much. Yes, thank you both for taking the time. Appreciate it. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Okay, take care. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. We would really appreciate it if you leave your review and subscribe to Bloom TV. We'll see you next time. Thank you.